Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows. I suppose I'm your host, Jordan Haas. We have a great episode today because we have the Prince of Pita, the Sultan of Sourdough, the big man on the get, Joe Saunders from the Breadcast, stopping by to talk about one of the most iconic game shows in recent history. But first, like always, we gotta work on the news. Uh, the first piece of news to bring up is, uh, well, sad news to report. Uh, there's a cancellation here, our, our first of many cancellations. They have canceled Double Dare. Nickelodeon's Double Dare has been canceled again. The revival uh, starring Liza Koshy and Mark Summers has come to an end, but fear not, there's still eight episodes left of season two. Uh, one in October, which is the Halloween week, and I'm assuming one in December because that's their Christmas week of tournament shows. Uh, I don't want to get into the full details as to why it sucked and blah, 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 but to me, if I had to take a hunch, it wasn't that the show sucked or was awful in any way. No, no, no. I think what happened was a budget reason. It was a, a when they did season two, they stretched out these tournaments into a way that it's nearly impossible for anybody who is a fan of Double Dare to get consistent episodes. Not only that, the uh, the shows aired at 7.30 at night instead of, like, say, the afternoon when kids get right home from school. Uh, those are two detrimental reasons. Also, because it's a tournament format, there's really no rewatchability. If you're watching a tournament style, you will know at the end of the week which one is the big winner going into the obstacle course, which, by the way, is repetitive because they're going through the same obstacles almost all except for maybe two or three at a time, uh, which doesn't really strike it as, as clever. Uh, they didn't really fix the problems with the messes necessarily in the obstacle course. Uh, I wanted more messes. They relied heavily on the slime, even though that Mount St. Double there was amazing, and I loved it. They went from a cash-in-the-front game and prizes in the bonus round the obstacle course two points in the front game in cash in the final round which kind of came off as well no one wants to sponsor the show or give prizes out so we're throwing cash in and anyone who's done math can kind of almost tell you that they're not really making that much cash compared to the prizes in season two of the season one so it almost seemed like they cut the budget a bit so when i was reviewing double dare i was saying they shouldn't half ass uh for season two and it looked like not only could they not afford to do a season two, they just had to cut back even from season one onward, which is kind of a letdown. I did enjoy the new revival of Double Dare. I thought Liza was great. Mark was good. The obstacle course was great. These challenges were good. It needs to be more messy. It needs to be more fun and exciting. And it seems like by putting not that many repeats on the air, because I'd rather you want to do Loud House or SpongeBob, whatever, that, that's what ended the show. Double Dare ended simply because of scheduling and because there is not that much of an interest among kids to watch Double Dare if it's just not able to be found, not even on demand. Uh, the target audience seems to have negated it, the sole purpose of putting it on Nickelodeon in the first place. And I was kind of expecting to get the season three pickup because of how well 
the uh, Kids' Choice Awards week did, and the WWE Superstars week. So that's kind of a weird uh, reason to cancel. So, oh well, uh, that sucks for Double there. But that's also kind of making me a little fearful for that Crystal Maze reboot. That's That Crystal Maze import. Because if they didn't really put that much effort into Double Dare, which to many is one of the more iconic game shows like Legends and, and maybe Figure It Out or Guts, then what are they going to do to a show that not that many people has have seen outside of the United Kingdom? So it's, it's a tough luck for Double Dare. They're still doing the tour right now. Hey, keep watching Double Dare and let's get nostalgic again and see it return again in another 12 years or so. Um, next uh, piece of news, College Humor. You know, College Humor, the teehee comedy uh, place behind Adam Ruins Everything, uh, has a new show coming soon called Dropout. College Humor's Dropout today announced Game Changer. Oh, the show's called Game Changer. Never mind. I have game show series with ever-changing rules and challenges will debut on their subscription-based service Friday, September 20th. A new episode of the six-episode series will be released every Friday through October 18th. In this game show, the game format changes every show, featuring the College Humor cast, which shows you how low the budget is. Uh, Players begin each round without knowing the rules and must figure them out while simultaneously competing to win. Unlike a typical game show that follows the same format week after week, Game Changer has a typically new set of rules and challenges every episode. Built with physical challenges like smashing vases upon request and mental challenges like guessing the culprit in an impromptu murder mystery game, Game Changer also features surprise guest appearances by friends of our players. Contestants will have no preparation for what or who will be part of each episode. Said Sam Reich, executive producer, director, and host. Our players have no idea what game they're playing when the cameras start rolling, but by the end of each episode, they either get ruthlessly competitive, double over in laughter, or get shocked into stunned silence, and sometimes all of the above. It's also executive produced by David Kearns. Um, and it's also premiering a Try Not to Laugh Challenge series, Breaking News. Uh, geography trivia show where in the f is sarah cincinnati kaiju comedy uh, ultra mechatron team go and continue seasons of nerdy quiz series um actually and the rpg themed dimension 20 franchise i mean i think college humor okay so i can't really like ding that much college humor stuff because they've been around that much but when I see things like this, I don't seem that interested in the series based on what I'm hearing. And it sounds like they're trying desperately, and I'm going to put in big, bold letters here, trying to desperately, desperate, get some new creative shows, create some new formats. Game shows are remarkably cheap, and this is six episodes long. And it seems like uh, the same kind of bullshit you see on any YouTube channel where it's the, uh, you see the internet sensation person, uh, for instance, we'll go smosh at this point, and then eventually as that site grows, you'll see like the editor or one of the producers behind the scenes get involved in the action, that they become crew members. Or, or a good example is also the Rooster Teeth gang or, or the uh, giant bomb people or the kind of funny guys. It's all, or, or funny or die for a while there. They did that. They had the ensemble cast. 
and it comes across as notoriously cheap. And it's a modern internet thing that is done where they make the quote-unquote crew of the site uh, into characters that are facsimiles of themselves as they try to do things as they normally would. But then you either break that characterization of yourself or we're supposed to play it earnestly. But if you're a comedy channel, that's typically not the case. So for me, this seems like a recipe for disaster in a lot of ways, similar to the YouTube buzzer series. Um, am I going to get a dropout subscription service to watch an episode? No, because I don't really care that much. Um, but for the sake of a game show, uh, if there's a episode, I will give it a watch. But there already is a South Korean variety game show in existence right now. And this is coming across kind of like a running man show. And that show is called Impractical Jokers. That's already on the air. And this just seems like a watered down, non-hitting camera version of that. And to me, eh, it's not that... I get it, you don't... It's The format is there is no format. But that has been a thing before. And what I've learned time and time again is you can only, quote-unquote, WTF the ongoing cast so much until you have, like, the same five or six challenges. I mean, the Taskmaster even end up in that position. So uh, consider this a thumbs down, but I, I will still give it a watch if I can find it. But, oh, boy, Pat Castles is stuck doing something, or, or who else is on there? Adam Conover? Is Adam Conover still there? Who else do I know from College Humor? Are they are they still there, or are they getting like more interns? Uh, I don't know. So uh, next is uh, new, there's the new Supermarket Sweep trailer came out. Uh, as we established last week, Leslie Jones is going to be hosting Supermarket Sweep in the United States. We don't have a network yet, but the UK version already filmed its episodes, and they already have a teaser trailer with Ryan Clark Neal. I've already seen a bit of it, and you know what? It looks beautiful. This is the supermarket sweep. You can kind of vaguely remember with the sweatshirts and the running around with the grocery uh, cart, putting meat and cheese into a giant shopping cart. But it has a modern supermarket vibe to it that I can actually kind of dig. So uh, I would recommend maybe trying to find a way to watch it, if some sort of legally thing, because this seems like a, a nice throwback. However, uh, it sounds to me like much like most of these nostalgia grabs, it might just last two seasons and then completely uh, get canceled, much like Double Dare, now that we're thinking about it. This is just going to be the new Double Dare, but I really want this to stay, and maybe, just maybe, the reason Supermarket Sweep works so well is because it was this Monday through Friday strip that was notoriously cheap yet so iconic because the idea of people running around a supermarket in sweatshirts, putting meat in carts, and then grabbing a giant, like, inflatable banana or something. Uh, <laughs> so, so next uh, piece of news. Uh, Mike Richards to executive produce Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune after Harry Freeman exits. Freeman stepped down in 2020 after a 25-year run. Mike Richards set to take over executive producer of Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune when Harry Freeman exits next year. Freeman announces plans to retire in the game show world at the beginning of the, this month, 25 years of Sony Pictures Television. We talked about that on this very show. Richard, who serves as executive producer of Price is Right in over 10 years and Let's Make a Deal, announced plans to leave both shows in June after signing an overall deal with Sony Pictures Television, which we also explained here. 
Wheel and Fortune is currently taping its 37th season. Jeopardy since 36. Both will premiere September 9th next week. Right here. It's less than seven days. Uh, Wheel and Jeopardy are gold standard television, exceptional timeless formats produced by amazing teams. Alex Trebek, Vina White, Pat Sigar, incredible hosts. And I can't wait to work side by side with them on these world-class franchises. Harry Friedman's 25-year run can only be described as legendary. I have been inspired by his hard work and brilliant decision-making. And I'm honored to get to work with Harry over the next few months. Thank you to Mike Hopkins and the entire Sony team for this dream opportunity, said Richards. Uh, Mike Hopkins says, We are fortunate to have Mike, one of the top game show producers in the business, join the talented teams at Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, chairman of Sony Pictures Television. Mike's experience working with long-learning franchises like Price's Ray, let's make a deal, makes him the ideal successor for our iconic shows. We also look forward to Mike growing our already strong game show business and developing and producing shows for network cable and streaming platforms. We are grateful for the leadership and impeccable direction Harry has also elegantly provided over many years and look forward to the continued success of these beloved shows. I mean, great. That's I'm kind of predicting Mike Mike Richards is going to try and executive produce Jeopardy and Wheel and fix some of those hiccups with Wheel of Fortune because that is just an unbearable show right now. Well, Jeopardy, it's kind of like you can't if you, it's not broken, don't fix it. So, like I'm sure nothing's going to be touched on Jeopardy. Maybe a new set in 2020, but other than that, I think we're fine. So, congratulations once again to Mike Richards. Uh, please, please. Send me emails. I want to visit the sets <laughs> when you're when you're in charge. Uh, next uh, is this uh, listicle. This list <clears throat> game shows you can watch on Netflix. This is on Looper. Awake, the million dollar game. We've already reviewed that. Uh, Minute to win it. I've worked on that. Jeopardy, classic show. Yes. Okay. Nailed it. Is the Netflix original cookie yet? Yeah, that that is an eventually. We're gonna have to talk about that on this podcast. Flinch reviewed it. I hated it. Idiot test. Will tease your brain. Loved it. I love idiot test. Final table. Yeah, we. See. Yeah, ultimate beastmaster. Yeah, okay. Win Sandy. Sure. Hyperdrive. We just reviewed that last week. Blown away. That was the show. That was the show I was talking about. That reminds me of blown away. Um, but that's not the entire list. Like at one okay, for instance, um, there's a few shows here that haven't really uh, been discussed, which is kind of weird. Um, all right, so for instance, <clears throat> um, we all know about Jeopardy, right? We all know about Idiot Test. We all know about Win Sanity, but uh, there are some that have been skipped. For instance, uh, we did nailed it. We did nailed it, but. We forgot. They forgot to include the Chase Elevator release to Hounds. Halloween's coming up. Those were all airing on on Hulu and Netflix. Maybe Netflix doesn't have the rights anymore. Skin Wars is currently on there. That's a body paint talent show that aired on GSN. Emo Genius also exists there. That is also a GSN show. We have Million Pound Menu, which is kind of like a Shark Tank meets a food show. You have Zumbo's Just Desserts, an Australian classic which is, is one of my favorite uh, guilty pleasure shows to watch. You have the big family cooking show in which they created. Sugar Rush, which is another one of those food shows. Did I mention they have Impractical Jokers on who on Netflix? You could watch Impractical Jokers. We've already established on the news portion this is a, this is a game show. You have Strong, that NBC show that Sylvester Stallone executive produced. And finally, you have today's episode. 
The Great British Bake Off is one of the most iconic shows on television in recent history. Much like Survivor or Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, it has become cult television for many viewers. And yet, so many misunderstand that it is technically a game show. We start with Anna Beattie, the brainchild of the show. She was talking to one of her friends who was watching American Bake Offs and was inspired to do something based off the British Village Fate, a public festival that's held outdoors similar to an American County Fair. The idea was originally just cakes, with the idea to be with people who want to bake the best cake. She took this idea in 2005 to all the networks about this baking contest, BBC, Channel 4, ITV, and they all said the same thing. No. That's right. Originally, everybody turned down what would become this global phenomenon. Four years later... 2009. Janice Hadlow was the controller for BBC Two, the big exec in charge of picking up the new formats and specials, and Anna's pitch to Janice this time around was successful. They took it to commissioning editor Charlotte Moore, who didn't develop the show along with her, picking up Mary Berry, an expert baker who has always somehow been fascinated by cakes growing up and later, through auditions, Paul Hollywood. The show was hosted by the comedy duo of Mel and Sue before eventually being picked up for Channel 4, where a new cast showed up, Sandy Toxvig from QI and Noel Fielding from The Mighty Boosh, and replacing our lovable sweet lady, Cape Town South African native Prue Leaf. This is a show that, much like the development of it, started out in a world of negativity and rejection, but over time would become not just this hope-punk positive show, it would be a show that could show the entire world that even in a sour environment, there is room to be creative, and the feeling of that is just as sweet as the process it is making it. So, hold on to your soggy bottoms. Let's turn the tables. With me on the line is the host of the popular Blue Ribbon award-winning podcast, (laughs) the breadcast, Mr. Joe Saunders. Wow, thank you. It's great to be here, Jordan. <laughs> I, I just, this is one of those dream episodes. When I originally convened the idea of this game show podcast, it's like, who do I want on and what do I want them to talk about? Uh, so this is one of those dream, dream episodes because I'm, I'm a big breadhead, as, as, you, as you say. I love the breadcast. It's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Uh, Do you want to explain to listeners who might not have heard of the breadcast what it's about? Oh, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for thanks for just saying such nice things about it. Yeah, the breadcast is just a podcast where uh, I every episode, you know, I'm an amateur baker and I bake kind of a new bread or a new baked dish and I share it with my guests and I talk about the process of making it and we talk about whether it like worked out or not. And a lot of times it doesn't work out. It does. (laughs) And it's Which of, is kind of fun to talk about, yeah. It is, and it's of a lot of great comedians uh, to bring into. And what I love about the breadcast, uh, compared to other food-based uh, cereals uh, in 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 the podcast sphere, I'm not looking at any podcast in particular. 
uh, is <laughs> okay. Uh, let's just say it ends in boys. Okay. Well, that, that narrows it down to two of them. No, there's like nineteen now. At this okay, point. okay. 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 Uh, also, I love the Deli Boys. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, so uh, it's it's this ability to basically, and this is the way I I, I shared it with you on Twitter, is mm-hmm. the fact that yes, you're an amateur baker, and yes, sometimes it fails. But the guests you come on and the things you talk about is always basically how to succeed through that failure and looking on the upside of some of the things. Yeah, yeah, that that's been kind of an unexpected uh, theme of the show. Uh, I don't think when I think when I first was like, oh, I'll just do some episodes of the show. I thought everything would. I, I was like, well, at least these will turn out decently. But uh, then to like have that happen, it always kind of gives us more to talk about, and we do kind of get to the, the you know. It always makes the conversation a little bit more interesting. I'm always kind of a little uh, like both embarrassed and happy when it doesn't work out. <laughs> it is. It's a happy failure, and it's it's one of those things where it's like you look at that and you're like. You know what? I make a mistake. I make two mistakes. You know, it's okay. I can just yeah. brush myself off and keep going, laugh it off with friends, and just move on. Yeah. Uh, and it's something I love. You recently did uh, the the prequel trilogy available now uh, yes. on, on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> uh, yes. Before we get into today's episode, what was the Jar Jar of the broadcast prequel trilogy? I think I'm probably the Jar Jar of the podcast. <laughs> No, no, um, no, because you're the... in all of the episodes, so you're definitely at least in Anakin. Okay, that may, okay, that makes sense. I guess the Jar Jar would be... So Jar Jar, you know, was the comedic relief, uh, at least in The Phantom Menace, and then kind of didn't have as prominent a role uh, in the next two. So what would it be? I don't know. Um, It'd be whatever's the timer you used in the oven. <laughs> yes. Making, or the margarita pizza, that episode. <laughs> <laughs> the margarita pizza yes i guess like at the end you also jar jar was the one who did uh you know put the you know was the one who convinced the uh the, the galactic senate. senate to give palpatine you know the all those powers you know dictatorial powers so maybe that was the margarita so he was the most evil character of all <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of evil characters paul mm-hmm. hollywood no uh, oh my god no uh, no this is because you're an amateur baker because you have a lot of knowledge about baking on terms of uh, a casual level and because i mean you're also a very funny guy and you write for a lot of my favorite things oh wow uh, I, I just uh, wanted to have you on to talk about one of my favorite uh, reality competition shows, uh, which is a game show, folks, called The Great British Bake Off. I love The Great British Bake Off. Um, I'm not as like big a British. My fiance is loves The British Bake Off and has watched every episode and knows all the people. I kind of well, I but I love I, I like the show a lot, but I do get intimidated watching it and it kind of makes me a little. So I feel like I've I've backed away from I back away from it sometimes. See, see, I do too, but I always look at it on like the production level of things. <laughs> I think oh. I think your fiance might have more knowledge about the show than I do, uh, <laughs> which is going to say a lot. But oh, interesting. The the way I, I I like the show is that we live in this culinary world. Like, there's a lot of cooking competition shows out there. Your Iron Chefs, your Chopped, your your uh, your guys' grocery games. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the time, or Master Chef or Hell's Kitchen, they're all these like when they do a reality show, 
it's they're in the confessional and it's the producers are always going like how do you feel who do you think is your biggest threat and you just keep talking shit about people behind their back and crying and with great british bake-off it's the complete flip opposite it really is just uh, a show where everyone works for each other and and helps each other out and it really is just i want to do good because it makes me feel good yeah yeah i think that's really what's i that, i love that aspect of the show it feels so refreshing you know just from anything else on tv even like a, like almost any other like tv show you don't kind of get that kind of positive feeling from at least, at least not very often so th- now i gotta go through all the news so andy devonshire uh was the director for great british bake-off uh he is one of the people who also created taskmaster in the uk which went on to comedy central for one season and some of the executive producers include richard uh, mccarroll and anna beetle uh they both work on the various bbc productions so it was a bbc show and it used to be the idea was it was a tent and it was a moving game show like we'll move from city to city and it'll be like great british bake-off leeds great british bake-off cardiff and it would just, like, let's get some of the local talent and showcase the best parts of Britain, because it's also a touristy kind of episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, that kind of just whittled away to now it's in Welford Park, which is located uh, in Berkshire or Berkshire. I gave you all your facts that you need to know about the set. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. That's very, where do you know where Berkshire is? Is it at or Berkshire? Is that near London? Uh, Berkshire. Or? Okay, so um, it's it's a county. Uh, it, it's one of those small kind of county little farm areas out. It's it's, it's uh, gotcha. So it's because that's why you guys say all the nice fields and stuff, and it's a very nice set, and it's been there for about f- four or five years now. Uh, the original was BBC Two. Then it went to BBC One because Bigs, and then it got bought by Channel Four in the UK. Now, I I hate to always say like, what what the hell does this mean? What the hell is being bought by Channel Four mean? BBC, which is two and one, are you know, basically like a PBS. Like your tax dollars, your your license fees go to the BBC, and it's public broadcasting game show. And then it moved on to a four-pay channel of commercials. <laughs> so because of that, things kind of later on get a little bit more spicy. Mainly which is the changing of uh, presenters slash hosts. They don't call it hosts. They call it presenters. Uh, oh. Originally, it was the comedy duo of Mel and Sue. Mel Gorsick and, and Sue Perkins. Everyone's crushes. Everyone has a crush on those two. <laughs> Uh, the uh, outstanding comedy duo, which exists. There's not a lot of comedy duos, Joe. Now I think about it, <laughs> there really aren't. You can kind of, yeah. That's. I think it's hard. I think it's hard to hard to figure out what a duo does these days. I mean, like it's now more can... like Harold teams. Like, like uh, that's kind of it. <laughs> like improv. Yeah, it's either one. Your comedy can either be just you by yourself, or you need uh, ten people. There's uh, no one. It's very hard to do anything in between. I can't get really get two. Okay, unless it's like a podcast. Other than that, uh, so so it was originally Fallon Sue, and then two judges, uh, and they are the iconic judges of Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood. Uh, mm-hmm. Mary yes. Berry was this kindly old lady with this weird bun, uh, famous because she baked uh, one of the cakes for one of the royal weddings. 
Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Uh, also, uh, she also does a lot of marketing for like kitchen egg mixers nowadays. And I believe, gotcha. if I'm not mistaken, she also has like uh, she was originally one of the very first people to market because she was very young. Because she, she's like I believe in her 80s right now, so like 60 years ago, she was one of the earliest people to demonstrate electric mixers and electric ovens and all of these marketing things, and did all these little recipes for the people in Bryn. Wow. What a very interesting because that's so and those are so prominent. You can even imagine like the Great British Bake Off or like any show like that without those. And then Paul Hollywood is this guy who looks like you're you're a guy who probably works on his truck. Like just this <laughs> this, this bro, just like this this short haired dude with a big goatee, just a real yeah, just a little bloke as they say over there, just a bloke. Um, yeah. And he, he's basically uh, he he had he does some motor racing on the side. Um, other than that, he's kind of like just this regular guy who used to own a bakery and is somewhat famous for bakery goods. And well, it's like kinda, he kind of reminds me of like he's like a he kind of feels like a jock baker. <laughs> he's like very like the yeah I knew I think I knew about the uh, like how he's like really into like sports cars and I think he has like a show about cars he does I feel like i've seen that before. he's like the jay leno of britain <laughs> and <laughs> yes because <laughs> like he just wants to talk about his cars and i don't mean that in, like a jeremy clarkson because that's a different level of of car weirdo this is it, it's a ch- it's a ch- it's a chummy it's a nice friendly kind of car guy uh who yes loves fakes. and here's the thing everyone goes paul hollywood is that like a stage name that is his and legal I would name. Assume? That is his legal In- name. He really has the last name of Hollywood. Incredible. I have to bring that up all the time because that is the funniest thing I know. I have to bring up about Bake Off is no, his last name really is Hollywood. That's amazing. It's ama- That's amazing. I mean, I guess, and then he becomes a baker off that, but then becomes a celebrity baker. It's how wow. it works. You go from so he has the story of amateur baker to celebrity baker to judge, which which is the fun uh, part of the Bake Off. Uh, when it goes to Channel Four, uh, Mel and Sue left. Unfortunately, uh, they now do the Generation Game, a classic British uh, variety act show. Uh, and Mary Berry left in terms of for indifferent to Prue Leaf. Prue Leaf is a South African lady uh, who basically is. In her almost in her eighties, and is is famous for a lo- for uh, a lot of different sort of cookbooks and and lending her criticisms into different newspapers. So she's one of those journalist kinds. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, and the two different hosts are now uh, Sandy Tofskig, who is a stand-up comedian, uh, writer, broadcaster. She's the new host for uh, QI over there, uh, mm. and. Uh, the first time I saw her, by the way, was on old Whose Line Is It Anyway when they aired those British ones in, in Comedy Central. Oh, sorry, Jordan, will you say that one more time? So Sandy Tosca, the, the lady we saw, the lady host? Yes. She was an improver. She was on the Whose Line when they did on Comedy Central. No ki- oh, no kidding. Wow. Like, she has done a lot of, of different things. In the, cause it's, they do all those panel game shows. Sure. So, so it's fun to see her do stuff, and she is uh, a very friendly person. She hosts QI, like I said, 
and uh, she is one of the she's a chair of the Women's Equality Party. So she, oh, that's interesting. Devout feminist and, like. and and speaker for all sorts of different things, including women in comedy. And the other guy they got is the guy from the Mighty Poosh. <laughs> <laughs> Noel Fielding. Uh, if you never know who Noel Fielding is, please, please, please check out Noel Fielding. He's one of my favorite comedians. He's hilarious. He's so great. The Mighty Boosh is such a funny show. It's so weird. The first time I, I remember watching it for the first time, I think they showed it on Adult Swim yes, or something. And I thought, and I was like, this is too crazy. I was like, this is too weird. I don't like these guys. <laughs> Which usually is almost always the feeling I have for a piece of comedy that I will then like love later. <laughs> I hate it initially, and then like later, I'm like, oh, this was that was really great, and I just was too shocked by it at first. But it's so funny, it's so funny and silly, and those guys are really because it's a sitcomy kind of thing, and then it just flips out. It's great. So Noel Fielding, uh, famous golf boy, Noel Fielding, uh, <laughs> wears a, a like basic. Now imagine your your favorite emo hot topic uh, older brother, uh, and it, it's like you're told to dress up for an occasion. So here he is, like, with his hair combed slightly, wearing a bumblebee shirt, <laughs> just <laughs> just having a kind voice and then talking about the show. Uh, yeah. And they're both so cute. This is such a feel-good, positive show. Uh, and they basically play a double act on the show, where they all do little bits and little silly skits. Uh just, just to and do something that not a lot of uh, hosts do in these game shows, especially one that's a competition show. They not only help the contestants out, uh, they also lend moral support. Mm-hmm. Yes. On many, many episodes, the one we didn't see, one we saw today did not happen. But lots of times there are tears because a lot of people worry and they get upset. They're like, I don't want to go home or my bake is a mess or something, something. And first of all, yeah, it's bake. It's like, it's no big deal. Ultimately in the grand scheme of things. But when they're like in tears, like they, they really do just run out and just like jump hug and like feel, try to do feel good stories and just try to make them feel a lot better. Hmm. And to the point of, if, if something, uh, this is a fun fact, I think they still do it today. When someone is really in a meltdown mode, because this is a high anxiety environment, and they are in the verge of tears, they would intentionally like either uh, say a lot of curse words and, and like say all the filthy words that they can think of, say copyrighted songs, scream loud, do all sorts of things. So that way, uh, it cannot be used in production broadcast. So they have to cut it out. Oh, that's that's incredible. Is that just that's just a behind the scenes anecdote? That's a behind the scenes, scenes anecdote for the show. Is oh. they do not want to show these people royally eat shit like other game shows. So, so oh, I love that. So if something happens. Fuck shit. Fuck. 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 Fuck shit. Fuck. Fuck. Just and that's yeah, that's great. And it just and it just makes you feel a lot better about yourself because it's like oh mm -hmm. they actually uh, do a lot of good. Uh, so uh, I'm not going to go with any of the in you like. There's a lot of like different controversies. Like someone stole someone's baked Alaska in one challenge, and one melted one intent like, and people thought it was intentional. And there's a lot of fun innuendos like, but that's all like flavoring to the show. Mm-hmm. 
what what I got to bring up is what's the game show like? What what is the format that is the Great British Bake Off? Yeah, it's interesting. I you know I don't think I I didn't even realize there was a format. Actually, watching the show, I kind of always knew that they saved the big one for last. But then when me and you were watching it, and you kind of explained how it all worked, I was like, oh yeah. So it is. First of all, the grand scheme of things is. Every week there is a new theme. One week it could be cakes. One it could be cookies. For the sake of the, because this is a mostly American audience, and I'm American, we are all proud to be American. Of course. USA hashtag always American. Um, one week it could be cookies. One week it could be cupcakes. One week it could be, uh, probably ba- uh, pretzels. We'll go pretzels. Pies. Yes, pies, pies week. And every week, one person gets the quote-unquote star baker, which is a nice gold star. It's worth nothing. It really is just like, you did the best this week. Congratulations. There's no bonus prize for winning it. And the worst, the worst baker of of the week, um, which is not really the worst. It's just kind of like they had really bad luck or they really undercooked or underperformed. Uh, they get eliminated from the show until it goes down to the final three, in which case there's the big final three and one final round where the big winner receives the grand prize. As in the original case of the BBC, uh, there was no real cash prize. So they kind of kept that going into the Channel 4 run, and the prize is a nice glass cake dish. (laughs) That's it? That's the trophy. A nice glass case. Yeah. Oh, I thought they got some money or something. I don't know what I thought they got. Wow. No, they just... I mean, a cake dish is a cake dish is nice. It's just a nice glass. And it just says Great British Bake Off winner 2019. <laughs> that's perfect. Okay. That's, that's it. That's, that's all they win on the Great British Bake Off. Uh, and it's and it's like, it, it, in some ways, it's like, you know, that could make sense. Like, you're not trying to change people's lives here with it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like you went through, like, all this work for a trophy. <laughs> but it's a trophy. It is a trophy. Trophies are nice. I love trophies. If you I have I, a trophy. I would, I would love to get a trophy. Please send me a trophy. I really, all I, the only award I literally have is just one of those blue ribbon podcast awards. <laughs> I was very excited when I got the they, yeah they, when I got my blue ribbon podcast it was a it, it was a green ribbon I think he ran out of blue colored ribbons but I was very excited when I got one when they sent me one in the mail from the ceremony at BugCon this year so I want to thank the host once again Franklin and Uncle Howard uh, for <laughs> professionalism uh, great folks there but that was like the it's really like the first time I've ever won awards so for me like a cake dish you know what that that's also a great prize I I would want. <laughs> If you have a trophy, please send one to either me or Joe. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, yeah, I'd happily take one. Uh, so as it whittles down, I always say this as I do like with most episodes. It's ten little Indian style, so ten to nine to eight to seven to ones left standing to win. That's the game show. Uh, but in each episode, based on the theme week, it's played in three parts. And this is the format. Like this is, I hey, I'm telling you the format. <laughs> The Great. first part is the signature. In the signature, it's basically uh, based on the theme, and they've had weeks to prepare. They always say they've prepared beforehand, like week a week in advance, but in reality, they had one or two months, like one month to two months to prepare for every one of these. 
Uh, so the first is a signature. It basically is the who the hell are you portion of the show. Something that represents who you are, what you enjoy, what your families love, what you're something that, that reminds you of friends and family and a nice touching story. Uh, recipes that you have practiced and perfected at home and people like. And, and then after then the judges get to try whatever it is you made and then criticize it and make you feel better or worse. <laughs> In the episode we saw mm-hmm. today is the the only thing uh, if the tier system of prizes is the 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 cake dish, second is the star baker uh, prize. The third, the third best prize you can get is a handshake from Paul Hollywood. <laughs> yes, so important. It's one of those. This is so like this is British game shows: a handshake, a cold star, or a cake dish. That's your wow. Prize. <laughs> Uh, and it's one of those, it's a feel good thing. Cause it's like, wow, I'm impressed. Handshake. Uh, second is the technical challenge. Now, when I tried to explain to Joe, I said, this is basically the broadcast challenge. Mm, yes. Because you, you have to follow a recipe and you're only given the ingredients and the instructions and not told how or what to do. <laughs> Do they, so they just have their, they just know they have to use, they just know that they have to use all of the ingredients they've given. Do, what are they, but they give them a little bit of direction about how to, about what to do, but maybe not like how long to bake it for. Is that how it works? Yes, or, that's how it works. So they leave out kind of key points of information. Interesting. Wow. That's tough. Because, it, because the idea is supposed to be, can you, can you figure this out? And it's supposed to be a mini puzzle element to it. Uh, mm-hmm. and they never like try and sidetrack you like here's a fake ingredient or here's like you need more or less it's just hey here's the recipe calls for five eggs here's five eggs here's here here's yeah, a here. little bit of milk like, yeah, that's it uh, and, and then, then you have to the, kind of use they your do own is knowledge they put it behind a photo and they have to rank it from worst to best based on how well did it perfect the recipe. And most of the time, the recipe comes from either Paul, Mary, or or uh, or, or Prue. So so it, it becomes like a ranking of like, why did you pick this? Well, because uh, it's a very detailed, intricate challenge because you need to figure out how to balance between the frosting and uh, layering, and it becomes some sort of crazy mess. Uh, then they go into a podcast with Joe, and they spend a nice hour and have a good time. <laughs> uh, then, then that's the end of day one. Day two, it's the show shopper. It's the show show shopper. Show, no. The show shopper, yes. Show shopper. They have to go to the supermarket, uh, buy a lot of things. No, uh, it's the the show stopper challenge. Uh, in this one, uh, basically, it's an over the top version of the signature. Where one is like a nice tray, like a nice, nice little plate of cookies. This one's supposed to be here's like a cookie shaped like a giant Ferris wheel, and it rotates around with different cookies as well, and it moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea is supposed to blow the, the judges away, act like something, something like a centerpiece, and afterwards they do an elimination. One of the most signature parts of the show is the instructions part of it of it uh as the idea was going to go to town to town each week uh, it became something of staying ground but what kept was the illustrations 
they have kept these by a guy named Tom Hovey. And basically, it's kind of like, uh, so what's your plan? And it's like, well, I'm going to make a, a apricot and pistachio uh, baklava uh, in the shape of a swan. <laughs> and I'm going to have a nice little pool made with uh, with with lemon cream frosting. So then what you see is this swan <laughs> and little like crunchies on there. <laughs> and it's and it becomes like a that's an expectation and then it cuts to reality of what it bounds to be a mess. Yes. Uh Joe, you've seen Bake Off before. Uh was this the episode you saw or or not? You know, I don't think I had seen this episode and they called this one this one was was this called the bread episode? Was that the title? Of the yeah, episode? it was called title? Bread Week. Bread Week, right? Because each week, um, I had not seen this one, but it was very interesting because they just made a bunch of breads that I had never even heard of before. And then they give into like a history lesson with each of these breads. Like, did you know that it was founded in this? And also, proofing is the most important part. Oh my God! Proof this this show this show everyone knows about proofing now thanks to the Great British Bake Off. Everyone knows about it. Everyone they, knows about proofing and proofing drawers. Proofing, proofing drawers. I mean, every single time you bring that up on the show, on your show, the the guests kind of go, "What? What do you mean?" <laughs> I feel like people like nobody really knows what it means. They're like proofing. It, it's it's kind of because they do pull out like a cabinet or they open up a drawer, they put a thing in the drawer and they close it, and you're like, "Well, what?" Is that is that the oven? What is going on in there? And you're like, no, it's just like sitting there. It's just I think that I don't know what a proofing drawer is. I don't know. But it is very mysterious. I don't understand it. I have a podcast about baking. I don't understand it. It's just it's, it's, just, it's, it's such a fascinating show. And it's one of those things where it's just a feel-good format uh, of the great British the great British bake-off. Now, the thing mm-hmm. is, and I have to bring this up because uh, this is another one of those, Jordan, you have facts. You have fun facts. <laughs> the Great British Bake Off is not called the Great British Bake Off in America, nor is it called that in, on Netflix. Right. It's called the Great British Baking Show because the Pillsbury people are assholes and they own the <laughs> copyright to Bake Off. Just the term Bake Off. The term Bake Off. Who would have thought? So, so folks, uh, wag your finger at the Doughboy. Uh, say no, no, <laughs> poppin' fresh, and give him a big poke in the stomach. <laughs> uh, it's also been a yearly series, and there's been a lot of spinoffs and, and one-offs, like Christmas, or with actual professional bakers, or with celebrities. But... Uh, the reason I like to bring this up is because this show uh, did they did show up in America. Now, originally, yeah. it was on CBS with Marcella Valladolid and Paul Hollywood as judges, hosted by one Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, and it was as as, as non Bake Off as you can imagine. When it went to ABC, though, it became basically a Christmas series. Uh, where it's now hosted by, I believe, Emma Bunton and Anthony Adams. That's right, folks. Spice Adams. Get it? The Spices. Because Emma Bunton's... Spice. Spice Girl. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. uh, I'm not... 
whoever's in casting, I think, just wanted to have that bit. I don't sure, even think sure. they were like, oh, are they good presenters? No, they have spice in their names. Hmm. So then the promo Who? team can go, if you want a new version of Bake Off, well, you got to have a little spice. I mean, it makes me want to watch the show. So so in the Great American Bacon Show, uh, the last one was in 2008, so that's telling me this year's going to happen. Uh, it lasts six episodes. Uh, the last episode had cake, pastry, cookies, bread, a semifinal, mm. and a final. Uh, and basically, one had to be a flatbread. Then one was a technical, and then one was a 3D bread centerpiece. That was it. Wow, wow. It's It's... I don't. And the worst part is, even though it's six episodes, it was one of those. Let's just put two after the other after the other. So it only lasted three weeks, and they ended it. And then we'll see you next time. So sometimes I feel a little hurt that they didn't really put the amount of effort into the the baking show uh, in America as they do in the United Kingdom, which is kind of why uh, I wanted to to put the show with you. Mm Hmm. So Joe. Yeah. Yeah. What's your signature? <laughs> What's my signature? What would I bake for a signature? Yeah, what would be your signature bake? Oh, my gosh. I don't even know. You know, I've kind of, like, really gotten into, like, baking pie. I made some pies on my podcast, and I got into baking, and I, I really enjoy making pies, and I feel like they're not that difficult, but they turn out really well. They turn really, like, people love to eat them. So I think I would probably make a pie. I would probably make, like, a strawberry pie or, like, an apple pie. Like that would be fresh, fruity thing. pie. Yes, a fruit pie. Ooh, that sounds um, good. Yeah, so but, I guess I would do that, but that's kind of basic. I think like uh, you know, I don't know what I would do for something really impressive. Like extravagant, like an over-the-top, the showstopper. That would be like a. I guess like two pies on top of each other, or a pie on top of a cake. Wow. Okay, that's a good idea. I guess I could just stack. I could just stack stuff on top of. Oh, them, you know you what? Know. Uh, like a lasagna kind of situation. That's not, yes, that's a good kind of, yeah, maybe some kind of pie lasagna. That's, now that sounds good. <laughs> I think this, after this. I have no idea how to make that, but it sounds good, yeah. I'm not going to ask you to make me a pie <laughs> lasagna. <laughs> Save it as a surprise to like when you go to like back to, to the Doughboys or something, <laughs> just like as a uh, gift. Hi, I made a pie lasagna. Pie Why? lasagna. Why? I wonder. The... <laughs> but uh, it's, it's. For 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 me, I'd probably make like a savory. I'd make like a like a like one of those those uh, shepherd's pies. Oh, have you made those before? Oh, they're have so you delicious. Made? You have to, but the problem is sometimes it's you have to make the right flaky crust. Right. That yeah, I feel like that would be very challenging. But the thing is, the secret is uh, if you if you do one of those buttery crust rolls, you know those little crescent roll things. Yes. And you make that your your crust. Then you have a like a, almost a secret recipe to to making it. Oh, that's interesting. So you just roll that out and then stick that in and use that as the Yeah, I'm oh, not going to wow. pre-make my dough on that one. <laughs> then it's all what? about, you know, hamburger and and seasonings. Oh, that sounds so good. I love that. I love eating those. But then but gonna... then sometimes people ask like what do you top it with? And sometimes for me just just top it with the potato. Make the little mash. Right. Yeah. And then if you want to be a little crazy, you know, you want to you want to pretend you're a little amateur chef, just you know, just put a little like shredded cheese or something. Sounds this sounds amazing. I, I, this is now a food podcast. 
That sounds so good. I love those. They're so like, yeah, I, I feel like I so rarely eat those, but I love them and they're so like filling and, you know, just like a good hearty meal. You want a meal pie. It should just be all pies all the time. Like a, uh, like a, like a mini pie, key, like a little mini quiche as an appetizer. Then like a shepherd's pie as the, as the, as the entree and then a dessert pie. Everyone wins. This sounds like a restaurant. We're now we're going to pitch this. Uh, we're moving out. We're going to the Americana at Brand. We're going to move the pie <laughs> hole out of here. Uh huh. And we're going to create this uh this pie place. I love it. I think it there's I think there's some potential in it. I don't know what, but some. Uh, and 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 you can have like one of those punny names like like uh, like because pizza is a pie technically. So, so you could make something silly like, oh, the, the, it, the, it's called a little crusty. Wow. That's, wow. That's really good. Hello, little... sharks. <laughs> My <laughs> name is short. There's a really good show called, oh, what's it called? That's on Netflix. Have you heard of that? That's called like Million Pound Restaurant. The Million or Pound like Restaurant and the Million Pound Menu. Million Pound Menu. Yes. I've watched a few of those. I like that. I enjoy that show a lot. That's basically. Kind of Shark Tank with restaurants. It is Shark Tank with restaurants and technically a game show. Yeah. So, so folks, I'm just going to keep bringing the, the the scope expands to just not just trivia. Wow, you know, I my definition of game shows was so small, and now it's so big. <laughs> it's now overwhelming. It's the <laughs> crap <laughs> million pound menu counts. The Shark Tank count, yes. Yes. And then you can have to talk about. And then if you want to talk about it, to to, to I hate to say it, like two writers, <laughs> I'm rolling mm-hmm. my eyes. Um, because it's the every because you have that basic when you were in your screenwriting 101 class or, or your improv class. What's the goal? What does the character want? Mm-hmm. And how does he get the goal? So in the game shows, it's who's the want? Who does they want? And it's the contestants. What do they want to win the game? How? Yeah. And that's what we're showing. So for a reality show, it's what do they want? They want uh, something from the shark. They want to finish this bake to impress the judges. How do we explain that? And it becomes this sort of of a storytelling mode that a lot of game shows do have. Wow, very interesting. Uh, Then we were talking about just desserts on Netflix too earlier. Oh, yeah, Zumbo, yes. Zumba is uh, Zum- just desserts, uh, which is a variant of Bake Off because they're both positive contestants, easygoing, lighthearted fun. Yes, Zumbo's is Australian, I think, if I'm it if is. I'm not mistaken. It, it's a he is this Australian guy who is over the top, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that show debuted on Seven in the U- in Australia. Let me double oh, okay. check. Let me double check here. I hate to do Google right now. Whoa! It is seven. Incredible. I that is serious. I've okay. I guess I do no game shows. Uh, and, and the opening theme is the bare necessities, a pair of just desserts. <laughs> I, I wish I love I love just desserts. I wish that they, I think they only did one season. They've only two, done one season two, of it. There's two seasons. One's coming up soon. Oh, there's another season coming. This is okay. This uh, they, is good. It's 2016 to present. They only have 12 episodes. Um, my favorite one was the Franken desserts, and then it's it's fun. 
Uh, they have flaming dessert, a fruit dessert. Uh, the, but the thing is, it's, it's with these shows, it, it's how do you try to cr- show that creativity of the yeah. contestants? And I think that's something that I think is largely missing in a lot of quote-unquote competition shows. Uh, like, like, I guess Drag Race kind of has a creativity aspect. Uh, Project Runway does. Yeah. But but a lot of those are, are competition off the I'm better than you. Yeah. Whereas this is simply like, look, I'm this guy from this city with this family. You're this guy from this city with this sort of lifestyle. We don't really have anything in common except for we're here. But here's my perspective on what this is. Here's your perspective on what that is. And let's let's work it out together. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you're ever wanting to like defeat someone. And then when you're... you lose, and when someone everyone cries and, and gets sad. It's not like yeah. a, it's not like a good. You suck. Bye bye. And I'm pretty sure if this show continues lasting like another two or three seasons, uh, it goes into like well now we have to have the bad boy of the baking show. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I want. I yeah, I want. I hope they don't. I hope they stick to the stick to the, stick the setup to the so far. Uh, and then they try it, and then they try to take that style and put in other shows. Uh, the la- the last one I could say that was somewhat like that was called Making It on NBC. Oh, that was that the Amy Poehler yeah, show. Yeah, Amy Poehler Nick Offerman show. Yes, because uh, it had the same vibe of everyone's positive and everyone showing creativity. Mm-hmm. And I will say it might just be the second favorite thing that Amy Poehler's ever done. Wow! Uh, the first being Wine Country uh, oh, or a Netflix well, movie? No, 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 well, no. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> if, 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 just so everyone knows, it's the UCB. I, I love. Oh, okay. I love Upright Citizen. I love the Comedy Central show that they did, and I love the the, the stand up. I love how they handle improv comedy, and I. I'm not going to go into a Jack Allison soapbox, but <laughs> but they have a lot of friendly faces there, a lot of nice people, and a lot of people who just love comedy and love talking. Uh, a CISO original, the UCB show. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that's always been my experience with UCB too. That's that's what I I've taken all the class. I took all the classes and have performed there a lot, and that's yeah, I always found it to be a very positive, encouraging place. It's it's a positive, encouraging place. You hear that positive. <laughs> positive <laughs> and encouraging but a big you know big and then you know it has room for a lot of opinions and people to share those opinions and if that's that's okay too positive <laughs> <laughs> but but so so when i see making it it's it with amy polar it it felt like bake-off and i got me thinking but amy polar might actually just be the kind of presenter host that you need for a kind of bake-off show yeah yeah, because she is very encouraging and very sweet, and she was one of those when one contestant like got eliminated. I'm crying. They both <laughs> hugged. They both hugged it out. Nick Offerman, of course, is the expertise. He has a background in in making stuff. Amy is just sitting there going, "I'm collecting royalties off Inside Out." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like, oh shit, someone's actually in tears. Okay, well I'm going over there. <laughs> There's nothing I can really do to cheer them up, uh, so I'm just going to give them a big hug. 
Um, that sounds great. I'm. I bet she. I bet she loves Brit. I bet Amy Poehler loves British Bake Off. Amy Poehler, if you're listening to this, please <laughs> send an email. Let me know that you listen to the episode and your thoughts on the Great British Bake Off. If she listens, to the, if she, if you could have, she would have been such a better guest than me. <laughs> no, 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 no. If I had. I, I gotta figure out like what would be an Amy Poehler game show. It'd probably be something like a like a like one of the seventies style retro game shows, like like a oh yeah, like like what it, or or maybe I, something like Hollywood Game Night with Jane Lynch, like like something that is like that you can bring on the like the the the, the Hollywood mentality because Amy is is a somewhat successful celebrity, so it's kind of like with her perspective on celebrity life. How does it compare to like Hollywood Square celebrity or or uh, body language from the eighties, which was just like charades? Body language, okay. Uh, that's gonna be awkward. Like, every, hey, at Amy Poehler, Jordha wants you to talk about body language on a podcast. <laughs> no, uh, what? Who? What? She was like, I look. No, she responds. She goes, I loved body language. I've been trying to bring back body language for years. Oh, then they'll just pick it up because Amy Poehler has celebrity names. So, executive producer Amy Poehler presents the, the Laugh Out Loud Charades game show Body Language. And I say, it's, it seems, yeah. That's the new world of game shows, is, is EP credits. Mm-hmm. But then again, I, I bet she wouldn't do it. And she's a nice. She's. It, it, she has the kind of situation where it's like, man, if I'm writing like Bake Off rebooted version, who would I want? What would I get? She uh, would be perfect for it. She's funny. She's nice. Uh, she's smart. Yeah, you she's got the whole thing. Though, don't you for a Bake Off? So. Oh, yeah. So you'll need someone. In, I don't know if Offerman. I mean, Offerman's great for making it, but you need. Uh, I wonder who's who. like a nice. Who's our version of Noel Felding? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, someone who would be... Pete mm, Davidson? <laughs> like, that would be... I mean, they would be an odd... That would be an odd couple. That's an odd uh, couple situation. But, yeah. Uh, Michael Che? <laughs> yes. No. I'm trying to think of someone from like her era of SNL. Oh, she the... Um, I mean, the best would be like if it was like Tina Fey, even though Tina they're Fey kind of and similar. Polar, uh, or uh, oh, you know what? Uh, uh, may- maybe, maybe Fred Armisen. Oh, that'd be great. He, yeah, he's very yeah. He would totally fill that Noel Fielding I, I was, kind of. I, see, I was, I was thinking a little too over the top, and it's like, wait, no, he's he's a very reserved guy. You gotta go, yeah. Fred. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, who's kind of a big celebrity person who loves baking is jenna fisher from the office oh maybe she she bakes on her instagram all the time and is like very good at it and is always posting instagram stories of her just at home being like okay today i'm gonna bake this thing and like she'll just document the whole process and it's really good has jenna fisher been on on nailed it yet or uh I i i don't think so now, now we've well, we were just, like before the recording, we were just talking about a lot of different culinary comps, and it's nailed it is one of our faves. Mm-hmm. That also, also, Gabrus was there, uh, and just the way that it really does handle amateur baking. Yes, if this is like amateur bakers, but they can actually bake. 
Nailed it, I think, is interestingly, like, very similar to British Bake Off, where it is, like, funny. It's kind of, like, you know, you don't feel bad about, like, they don't make you feel bad about, like, making the, messing the thing up. Everyone just, like, laughs about it, and it's always, like, kind of even, like, the more you mess it up, like, that's almost the more fun, and the more they celebrate that more. It's, like, still kind of in the realm of positivity, I feel like. Like, you can enjoy, if you, if you watch one, you'll probably like the other one. And, uh, I, I... I also want to point this out too. This is the only one where I think the only thing is they also do cookbooks. Bake Off does cookbooks. There are Bake Off cookbooks? I'm pretty sure there is. Like, even if it's just like Mary Berry's Secrets, as seen on the oh, Great sure. British. Uh, so, so, one thing I love is is the pleasantry of it. I mean, like, it's it's also the, the, the narration of the show when it comes to anyone, any genre, whether it's Meryl Sue or Noel or. It is this. Uh, it's this voice. It's more pleasant. It's like a audiobook recording, like an NPR. Yeah. It's kind of this kind of nice, simple, classic. Oh, Joe Saunders is making a delicious classic cinnamon bun <laughs> by using a nice cinnamon frosting. And Jordan, I like I like how you have gone into your version of that voice, which is very soothing. <laughs> as you're very, describing this, it's a very soothing voice. How's it going, everyone? Uh, <laughs> This episode of the Breadcast, Joe Saunders is going to be making a delicious focaccia bread, and oh. he's going to decor it with some garlic, butter, and so, so, some red some red flakes that he got at the Pizza Hut. There's something about describing food in a uh, in a nice way like that that is very I don't know I feel like that's very there's a lot of shows that do that and there's a few like pod, there's a lot of podcasts that do that it's a, they go together well. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it's like, I, I talk regular like this and it's just like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> I feel like that. So it's both like, are good. They're both good options. So I guess now I have a secondary job. I guess I can do narrations for food <laughs> descriptions. That's pretty things. good. You could do pretty well on that. Cheesecake factory presents delicious <laughs> iconic favorites. This is the classic <laughs> strawberry cheesecake. <laughs> oh, that would be good. The audio narration for the uh, Cheesecake Factory, perhaps. Because then you can just hear it while you're waiting to get your table. That would be great. I There, I saved you a bunch of money, Cheesecake Factory. Just tell people, <laughs> hey, go to this website. And it's just me listing off all of the things. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time it's done, like a second I say, beverages include soft drinks, <laughs> Coca-Cola, Diet Coca-Cola, Sprite. Uh, Suddenly, it at least seems, it's, it at least seems like a popular ASMR YouTube channel. Oh, <laughs> me re Jordan reads the McDonald's menu. <laughs> yeah, just you reading various menus. Uh, <laughs> but it's also it's a pleasant. Also, the music is lots of strings, and then when there's something tense, there's like a bit of wood block, a lot of ticking clock noise. But it never adds urgency or adds like any heightened stake to it. Mm-hmm. Which I think we're—I'm telling you—it's the deep dive. <laughs> this is—it's it, one of those pleasant shows. Um, so, so when I sometimes I think I should, I should get the Great British Bake Off soundtrack. Just listen to that. Feel good about. Them. Oh yeah, that would be nice. That the music, yeah, I feel like the music is very—the music is very recognizable. It's a very nice little score that complements the whole vibe of the series. I'm now checking right now on Spotify live Great British Bake Off. Uh, just wow! Great British, there is the Great British Bake Off soundtrack. Of course, I love it, folks. You can listen to the Great British Bake Off soundtrack by Tom Ho. This is real. 
How many tracks are on that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. That's holy crap. Eight, 18 of your all-time favorite hits from the Great British Bake Off <laughs> on Spotify that's, right now. That's really good. That's good. Just That's good music for the kitchen. Get that on when you're fixing something up. And then you just have to, like, I guess, tweet, tweet me, and I guess I'll just quickly do a video like, Oh, Joe is making uh, is making some spaghetti and meatballs using some, a jar of ragu and some pasta he got at the Walmart. <laughs> this is yeah, that's my typical. It sounds like my good typical uh, meal at night. Jordan is just on is is over on the Chipotle menu ordering a delicious burrito without beans, but with double meat. Whoa, okay. <laughs> And then you have a nice illustration of the burrito before it yeah, arrives. Yeah, what you're before it hoping it, you're aspiring it, it to look like, and then you'll we'll see what it actually looks and like. And it has a nice effect, <laughs> a little glitter. That's on that I don't know what to call like a glitter, a glitter shimmer wind chime right. effect. Right, right. Uh, so, so I think we've almost went through all of them. We went through the hosting and how feel good it is. We went through the look, it, the adaptations it has. Uh, the story, the production is very nice. I love the fact that it's like Andy uh, Devonshire, which I'll keep giving him a shout out because Taskmaster is one of my other favorite shows. Uh, he kind of has this great direction. And I kind of pointed it out in the episode, like there's some good framing in this. Oh, right. Yeah. Where you, you pointed that out. There was that one shot where something fell off one of the, the I think the, the showstoppers. Yeah. One of the showstoppers, a few of the, the items that were decor fell off. And it was not at their discretion. Like, it wasn't by their regard. It was just like, it just fell off naturally. And it was perfectly framed that you saw it fall right off. Yeah, that was really good. Very, yeah, very good work uh, capturing that kind of stuff. And then the stoic photos of people standing next to their items and just admiring them from a distance. That's so good. I love it when everyone's done with their thing and then they have to shoot them just sitting there staring at it. Three minutes, three minutes of just, like, three feet away, three minutes of just them going, "Mm mm-hmm. And they're kind of huh. going. Please hope uh, it doesn't melt. Please hope the cookies doesn't. Oh my god, that's gonna be so nerve wracking for these things that are like so delicate. And you're just like, oh god, it's gonna about to fall apart any second. I have to film myself for contemplating it. Uh, so now we gotta get to the end part, which is the rebooted version. Now, I mean, it's on ABC right now. Uh, I've, as I've kind of established, I kind of have. I'm kind of a heat seeker. Um, also, I'm a bit of a production uh, nerd when it comes to these things. When it comes to rebooting or creating some form of, of the great British Bake Off to America, what would I do? We've already kind of established some hosts, like Amy Poehler and Jenna Fisher would be a perfect duo. Mm-hmm. I guess when it comes to judges, uh, we'll get Zumbo. <laughs> <laughs> Zumbo would be good. He doesn't. He's very stoic, or he's, you know, I don't know, maybe stoic's not the right word. I mean, I feel like he he has very he's, he's someone who has kind of he is like Paul Hollywood who has very high standards. You need that, and then you need like a nice like a, a older lady, yes. kind of thing. So so we got to go find Marie Callender herself, mm. and 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 see if she's still alive and willing to go on a reality show, or or maybe uh, Betty Crocker. Wow, those would both be good. Both famous bakers. I'm sure they're still alive, right? <laughs> Uh, or it'll probably be like the guy, the lady from Sprinkles that's all the time on Cupcake Wars. Oh yeah, uh, I mean like Christina Totsi on 
MasterChef Junior is on MasterChef Junior all the time. Oh, she's yeah, really yeah. Good. Oh, jeez. She'd be great. But the, but unlike on that show, she doesn't have to get covered in like whipped cream. Yes. Yeah. No dumping of things on this. That is the funniest thing. It's just like, what's MasterChef Junior different than regular MasterChef? Uh, they just throw like cream pies at each other, <laughs> like double dare. It's basically double what? dare cooking. It's, what are the differences between adults and children? Children in like people being slimed, basically. And, and, and you never hear Gordon Ramsay go, "You fucking fucked up!" You oh, <laughs> oh, this is gross. Oh, no, no, he just goes, "That is not good." But keep it up, kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I did kind of come up with some ideas. So, like for oh, instance, okay. it's like each week instead of like it's the. I mean, you can do baked goods. Because that is the part of it, but I think it needs to be more like a travel. It needs to be a traveling kind of part of the country. So it's like, if we're doing Seattle, some coffee themed areas. If we're doing New Orleans, you get your New Orleans week. That's your king cake. That's your that's your beignets episode. Yes, yeah. You go to New York, you get a slice of the pie. You get a uh, uh, pita breads and <laughs> and you get uh, probably a hot dog. And you have to well, not make the hot dog, but make the bun. Yeah, uh, that would feel that would be really interesting to do. Kind of regional, like yeah, like regionally specific episodes. I think if I was to reboot like the American version, because this is such a culinary kind of country, and if we're gonna go do it right, we gotta just we gotta just like promote every single different area. We need to have the New Orleans clam chowder bread bowl. <laughs> That would be great. Yeah, I would love that. We need to have focaccia breads. We need to have, uh, we need to go to, uh, what was that? We got to go to the Panera bread menu. Oh, yeah. We need, uh, what else is there to do? Like Kansas? I guess cornbread. You have to do cornbread. Cornbread in the South. Yeah. Um, Uh, This is a think tank. (laughs) This is tough. Well, you know, once the show gets. When it gets yeah, picked up, uh, we'll I'll give Joe the call. We'll all work together <laughs> to form. That'd be great. And then we can come up with all the clever puns, like like yeah. uh, like a like a the, we just re, we rip off that 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 craft cheese commercial. It's crumbelievable. <laughs> is that an old commercial or is oh, that, that was like mid two thousands? They had like craft cheese crumbs. It was like ranch. Oh. It was like it was not ranch. It was like a uh, blue cheese crumbles. And in cheddar crumbles. Oh, whoa. And then they just played this. it to that 890 song. So you just heard, wow, ba 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 da ba da. It's crumbelievable. <laughs> okay, I like it. And now I'm going like, to go. We'll watch just it. rip that off. Even if it's just we get Amy Poehler <laughs> and Jenna Fisher to just hold up like buffalo wings and just go, ba 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 ba. It's crumbelievable. It's crumbelievable. Uh, and, and ultimately, the last thing is, is the show any good? And Joe, what are your thoughts? Is is the Great British Baking Show good? Is yes. that what you're asking? I think it's fantastic. It's incredible. Um, I mean, just in terms of being like a really well-made competition show, just being, at least in my mind, that first show to kind of have a whole different personality and vibe than so many other reality competition shows, being you know positive and nice and relaxed. 
I feel like people watch this show to like it helps them relax a lot of times. It's a relaxing in the world of chaos. It's it's the it's the zag to the other zag. Everyone's going chaos, stakes, height, height, scream, scream. Yeah, fi- yeah, energy. You know that kind of MTV's now. People don't use that as a reference, but like you know Snapchat or something quick and short and fast and loud. And this is the total antidote to that. And I love it. I love this show so much, and it's one of those peak game shows that I think should be symbolic of the 2010s and should continue well into the 2020s. Yeah, I hope so too. It's it's amazing. Every time there's a new season, I feel like it always. It's still. It's a very. It's become like a real cultural thing too. People love talking about it and love getting excited about it so, in ways that not a lot of TV shows cause anymore. And Joe, we're right near the end. If you can't hear this. These are question cards. Uh, I can hear that, yeah. (laughs) This is a game show podcast, after all, so what would it be without a game show? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. This is not an ambush. There's five questions left in 60 seconds to answer all five questions. Okay. For everyone you get right is a free plug. It doesn't have to be your own things, mind you, but you have five. I mean, (laughs) most podcasts only give you, like, two. This is Okay. Incredible. I love it. So, you want to play? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I All mean... right. Then let's dim the lights and put 60 seconds on the clock. Okay. Do you cut a sandwich vertically or diagonally? Uh, vertically. Are bread bowls overrated? No. <laughs> what is the best chain restaurant bread? Oh, this is good. Um, the Best chain bread is, I mean, Panera's great, but I love that Shake Shack bun. Oh, man, that's so good. Can people stop being mean to Jar Jar? Yes, I think so. I They need to stop being mean to Jar Jar. Jar Jar's great. He's a great character, and, it, you know, Ahmed Best is an amazing performer and actor who revolutionized performance capture. <laughs> the very first Foley Runners CGI character. Anyway, besides a cake tray, what would be a good trophy for winners of the Bake Off? Uh, I feel like a nice, uh, I mean, a, a nice like golden bread, golden bread, golden, golden, golden loaf. loaf, like on the MTV Movie Awards where they give the golden popcorn. Maybe the golden bread. Also, maybe just some money. Like, oh, they do win money th- on the Bake Off in America. Okay, good. We, we give them like a little bit of money. Yeah, I think they get quarter million. So damn, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but that's it. You got all five. Oh, wow. Great. Well, those are very easy. They were just my opinions on things. I mean, we did have to go to the judges. Oh, you it did. Just so okay. Happens you were the judges. Oh, very. Okay. And, uh, well, we also, one of them was Jar Jar. So thumbs up. Oh, great. I love Jar Jar. I've, I've really come around on Jar Jar. I think no, I think like that was the the, the thing is like uh, I I was one of those people. It's like yeah, I mean the old, the old trilogy. I mean new trilogy. Like I understand, but I was like a kid. Like I was ten when Star Wars Episode One did, came out, so I was peak into hell yeah Star Wars. Yes, and yes. I loved Jar Jar. I like no Jar Jar was actually a great character and the pod racing things and all that. And then it's like, well, it sucks. Well, well why? Because Jar Jar's annoying. Right. But isn't, like, he trying to just be in, like, a... 
he's he's trying to be like a gomer pile he's trying to be the comic relief character it's it's people said the same thing about c3po when that debuted yeah that's totally true you know there's just like so i really just the whole star wars prequels i i just find like kind of fascinating as like productions and like the stories and everything culturally that went into them and i think the movies even for the movies where there's a lot of parts where you are maybe not as big fans of certain parts of them but there's always like interesting things going on the movies are there's so much interesting stuff that is always either going on in the story or on the production i don't know i love it it's great and jar jar's part of it and it's like i see the way i always compared it to uh, which is funny because because I did listen to a struggle session episode with Bugman. Uh, okay, <laughs> and I and not saying no listen to Bugman, <laughs> but when he was bringing up the fact that like this the fully rendered CGI character of Jar Jar, it was, it was something that was kind of that's what sparked me going yes, uh, because yeah. it kind of gave me Who Framed Roger Rabbit vibes. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I never even thought of comparing it to that. Because it, here's the live action character interacting with the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at the time, whoa, that's the future. Yeah. But, but that'd be like watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit and then going like, yeah, it's a great movie. And then like the internet going, well, Roger Rabbit's annoying. So <laughs> this sucks. It's like, no, it's great. This is like a, a Roger Rabbit type character. Yeah. Yeah. He's really great. I hope they have some Jar Jar. I don't know if they need to have Jar Jar in the new... I hope there's some kind of Jar Jar or Gungan thing in the new movies, in the Disney movies. I think, I think they need to They need to acknowledge it, and they need to have him back, and it needs to be cool. Oh, when I, I made my pitch, I, I, no one ever listens to me. I have very low <laughs> podcast numbers, and no one likes me. But when I made the pitch for, if we're going to do like these spin-off movies, like Star Wars, like... Uh, Han Solo in Rogue One. I said it should not be like how does like the Metachlorian work. It should be just set on an individual planet. So it's Star Wars Hoth, Star Wars Endor, Star Wars Cloud City, and you tell yeah. stories from the planet themselves to show how expansive the planet is. Yeah, and that would be like, awesome. That would so rule. then, if you get the Jar Jar, you get the underwater planet. You have their version of Aquaman. It would be amazing to be on Naboo. Yes. You know, to travel down to the Gungan world. Uh, and incredible. And it's not just like, where's Luke? Where's Obi-Wan? Where's Yoda? No, none of them is there. It's going to be like, here's the bartender trying to pay bills. And then it's like, oh, looks like the Empire uh, is in debt collection. I love it. This is, yeah, they should do, they should do this. Like that's Because I feel like that's where the story they want to go with. And they just, Disney can drop me a line. <laughs> also, Disney, please contact me. I have 20 different game show pages. <laughs> no. the, uh, this sounds good. Whenever you have your meeting, it, the meeting is going to be good. I need my representation. All right. So, five plugs. Five plugs? Joe, you can plug any five things you want. I'm guessing the first thing is going to be broadcast, right? <laughs> I guess so. We've talked about the broadcast a lot, but I guess I'll say it one more time. Uh, yeah, if people uh, want to, they can listen to the broadcast, which is my podcast. It's on uh, Apple Podcasts and everywhere else. You just have to search the broadcast. Um, but you can also find it on Twitter at uh, twitter.com uh, slash the, bre- the broadcast, all one word. Um, 
Is that two? I, I'm, I, can I say that's two plugs right there? The sure, broadcast and the broadcast yeah. Twitter account. Yes, although then you should probably plug your own personal Twitter, right? <laughs> okay, okay. This will be my third one. Is my own personal Twitter account, which is uh, my name is Joe Saunders, and my account is at Saunders Joe. Okay, so we've got three plugs right there. Um, my fourth plug will be. Uh, the Great British Bake Off, I think, is a really good show. Oh, Zumbo. You know what? I'm going to forget that. I'm going to plug Zumbo's Just Desserts All right, on I'll get Netflix. The, uh, Netflix. Zumbo's Just Desserts is such a good show, and I've recommended it to a lot of friends, and everyone that watches it enjoys it. It's, it's like British Bake Off, but it, it's a little different in some kind of fun ways. And what will be my last thing to plug? One final plug. One final plug. Um, I don't know. I guess Shake Shack, the Shake Shack uh, bun. The Go Shake try it. <laughs> if you haven't had it, you got to try it. Shake Shack, the... it's in your area. Uh, check your listings now. Hey, mate, you know what you can do? This is a nice Jordan Pro strat, you know, like a, like a gamer. Uh, uh-huh. What you can do is you can always, this is a top secret, is when you're about to park your car or if you're walking on your way there, one block away to said Shake Shack, Place your order online. So by the time you get out of your car and walk to the Shake Shack, or when you're at your block walking to said Shake Shack, by the time you enter the door, the order will most likely be ready. Really? Do you, is there a special Shake Shack app? Or oh, what's it like, like imagine like an order pickup, like, like you're about to deliver. Yeah. Good tip. I've never done that before. Because you know how like sometimes some Shake Shacks uh, have like just the tablet to order? Yes. That tablet is on the phone. You could just. The tablet is on the phone. <laughs> um, that's really good. I, I love that because sometimes there's a bit of a line. Yeah, I, that's because I that's the thing. It's like I think a lot of people get impatient. But if you order right then and there and you just walk over that same 10 to 15 minutes that you save waiting in line will be yours. Wow. I and, love it. So that's a good plug right there is the ordering the pre-ordering via via website <laughs> for shake shake so joe saunders thank you so much for stopping by uh thanks for having me jordan this is a lot of fun uh you can once again check out joe saunders on all of those platforms and the broadcast mm-hmm. and eventually we will rise to the occasion wow beautiful beautifully said <laughs> and that is living proof that two podcasts about baking can get along. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> these are, I might use these on my own. <laughs> As we always say here, uh, the dough also rise. It's okay, so, okay. <laughs> I, I blew it after three. That's pretty good, though. Two, two out of three is, is good. Uh, in the words of a famous legend, Wow. Is that a reference to, is that a Nick Weiger reference? Yeah. <laughs> okay. In the words of a famous podcaster, fuck. Okay. Is that, I don't know, is that a Mitch reference? In the words of a famous podcaster, oh, God damn it. <laughs> In the words of, uh, now I'm turning into Nick Weiger. I'm doing the Nick Weiger voice again. Damn uh, it. <laughs> when I have that, wow, fuck. 
Um, now I'm a little, I'm a little lost now. But I have that little, like, in, I like I, sometimes it. when I get like a little, uh, like when I don't have a lot of water, it gets a little dry and it almost sounds a bit like Nick Weiger going, doing his like, thank you so much for listening to Doughboy. <laughs> out of four, out of five forks, Joe Saunders, how do you rate Shake Shack? I love Weiger's pod. I love Nick's uh, podcast voice. Wait, that's your six point. There you go. You plug that. We're good. Okay. <laughs> Let's yeah. all wave goodbye. <laughs> that's all good. <laughs> thanks joe please check out the broadcast i'm not kidding it is one of my favorite podcasts out there and i i can't thank him enough you can, once again that's the broadcast on twitter and saunders joe on twitter as well uh now you know i would normally like give some like closing thoughts about the bake-off but Really, we kind of covered most everything that I at least know about it, aside from like winners and who won what and where have they been after the show. The only kind of real cliffhanger ending is that whole debate of is the show better now that it's on Channel 4 than it is on the BBC? Because with BBC, there's no commercials versus Channel 4 where there is ad breaks. Uh, to me, it just depends on storytelling of the format. When you see a baker bake a cake and the drama it is, if it goes haywire or does not go haywire, that's up to the that's up to the producers. So uh, I like both. Uh, the new season is airing right now as we speak. And it's like almost like a weird simulcast because it's not only on Channel 4 in the UK. Those same episodes are airing on Netflix right now around the world. Like it's on U.S., so you're watching along with the world, the Bake Off, and I think that is something very innovative when it comes to this show. Uh, now it's time for the 110-part series exploring every pricing game on The Price is Right. This is a pricing game spotlight. Now or then, premiere date, September 17th, 1980, tape number 3783D, finale date, Bob Barker, May 31st, 2007, 4014K, premiere date with Drew Carey, November 26, 2007, 4101K, now or then, now or then is a game. Where the prices of products are either now, meaning today, or then, being a certain month and year in the past. Gameplay. The contestant is shown six grocery items arranged on a circular board, which is divided into six wedges. Similar to the Trivial Pursuit Pie game token. Okay, that's good. I was going to explain. Like It kind of reminds me of the, the Trivial Pursuit Pie. And on the top is a year and a month sometime, usually eight to ten years in the past. The contestant then selects a grocery item and must determine rather the price that's shown is either the current price, as in today, or the price of the specified price in the past. Then, to win the game and the large prize, the contestant must correctly guess three items that are on adjacent wedges of the circle. In other words, three products that touch each other, or as Bob put it, three in a row, or as Drew put it, three next to each other. The contestant may continue selecting as many items as needed until the goal is either achieved or made impossible. There is an unstated rule here. 
This is a this is a secret for you guys at home. There's always four now prices, and two of them are thin prices. Also, there's usually one product that's clearly marked new, which means that the product is obviously because it never existed in the past a now price. Even one or more items did not exist in the thin date in some playings, depending on the thin date, means that it's a now price. Now and then premiered September 17th, 1980, and was one the day it premiered. Now and then was created by Steve Ryan. What up, Steve? Heck yeah, Steve Ryan. Heck yes. If you don't know who Steve Ryan is, he also created the 1980s game show Blockbusters. That's the game show. It's the iconic UK quiz show. And he also produced all of the Rebus puzzles in classic concentration. That's that classic classic concentration Rebus puzzle and all of the puzzles on Password Plus and Body Language. Until November 19th, 1986, the game was called Now and Then. And Bob always named it as so-called because we play this game every now and then. The name was then changed in December 2nd, 1986 to be reflect the decision the contestant had to make. The game was reverted back to now and then. And it's then was the date of which it premiered. So it's now and say May 2005. Um, until the late 2000s, the then prices were researched by Kathy Greco, who used archived newspaper advertisements as her source. Nowadays, the thin prices come from past episodes of The Price is Right. Often the thin date on the board leads to quite interesting banter between the host and the contestant, notably in the April 10th, 2008 playing. Keith C. Johnson, a kindergarten teacher, upon seeing the thin date of March 1997, remarked, back when I was 21. Drew remarked, back when I was 21 as well. May 26, 2016, there was a Survivor special, and the DIN date was the date Survivor premiered, June 21st, 2016. The, the resigned set got carried over to the daytime show. On February 19, 2018, Big Money Week, now or then, was played for $30,000, but it was lost. Trivia! To make this work, about four grocery items will have the actual price introduced today, with two grocery items that have the actual price from the past. Most number of times this game was played in any season was 18. International versions on the Italian OK Il Preso Eglisto. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's played under the name Inflation, literally meaning inflation. Uh, so I just want to point this out here. I like the game, but I don't like the set piece. I think the now or then needs to update. Because if you see it, it's just this awful orange and yellow and green. Uh, it's, it's all warm colors. It's red, yellow, orange. And it just looks like a sore. And I get it, they want to have something look like the 70s retro. But I, I think if you can modernize it's like I mean, like keep the pie wedge, but make it so all of the six like are an LED screen or look like something straight out of a time machine. That'd be kind of cool. Just something where it's like there's a digital readout of something to make it show that it is a now or then. Also, I'm I'm not gonna keep pronouncing it now. Or then, by the way, if you're wondering, it's now or then is with four ellipses. It's four dot. It's now dot 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 or then. Uh, I like the idea of now or then. I like the idea of a time travel thing or inflation or if something's changed. And I like the the stunt of like there's something that's always new that clearly never existed back then. Uh, so it's so like I remember when I like this is gonna either date me or not. 
I remember when I first really saw this pricing game be played was when Swifter was introduced. So Swifter was in now, obviously, because Swifter was not existent back then. And I thought that was kind of interesting because there was no chance in hell that was a possibility. Uh, it is a it is a somewhat speedy game because you need to get three in a row. There's some strategy and vibe. Some people just do like a create a biohazard sign and then have three chances to win. Others just go straight uh, left and in clockwise fashion or or some other variation on it. But uh, what I find is the most exciting thing is simply just the... It's almost pretty simple to win the show. Like, this is one of those almost easy win games uh, that I kind of enjoy. But when, when it's a little tricky, I understand why it's a little... Uh, bad because sometimes people just forget like what the price of Oreos is today versus what it was back then. Uh, but uh, you know what? This is one of those great games that make you just not just think about the price today, but back then. And you know, considering this was like the near the ten, like not it's not the tenth anniversary yet of the show, but consider it like nowadays because it's like the four, it's over forty years old. This game show that there is something to be said about. What if we just like grab the same products from the prices right from earlier episodes and then just see if people are able to predict if it's from like the 1990s or today? Uh, next time on the Pricing Game Spotlight, we are going to play Hit Me, which is Blackjack. It, it, it's called Hit Me. Oh, it's on. Woo! This is a supermarket stakeout. Wow, coming in hot. Four chefs are given $500 each to spend on groceries. Uh, but they won't be shopping from these supermarket shelves. Oh my god. They have to purchase ingredients from unsuspecting shoppers as they leave the store. Are you for 30, 40, 50, 150 cash. Take the money. Ah! Without knowing what's in the bags. Body oil. Dog treat. Cough syrup. Don't need that. Who has the chops to find the right shopper? Thank you so much. With the right ingredients. We got duck! That is a great innovation. The sandwich is amazing. This is Supermarket Stakeout. So, yeah, I saw Supermarket Stakeout over the weekend. I, I like Good Eats. Okay, folks, I love Good Eats. It's one of my favorite food shows. I'm glad it's back. And as I was watching it, I found the Food Network has a lot of food competition shows. Some of these definitely count as game shows, such as Chopped and, and uh, Cutthroat Kitchen. But this is a new show that, that stuck out to me, and it is called Supermarket Stakeout. Now, when I first heard of this show, I was thinking, we already have a game show that's set in supermarket on the Food Network. That's Guy's Grocery Games. So it's going to be people buying stuff in the supermarket. And then I took a look at the show. We've already ex explained the, the press release of it and uh it's it's kind of weird <laughs> to say the least uh for for a, for a few reasons uh first of all this is one of the few cooking competition shows that i have seen that does not take place in a stationary studio uh, most of the time when i see it it's either in new york like chopped out here like cutthroat kitchen in la or guys grocery games or it's going to be one of those Bobby Flay, I go out and find the best person in Texas to mix the best pot roast or something. Uh, but this one, this is kind of weird to me. And this really hit close to home because I shop at that Gelson's. 
I went to, I watched the episode today, and it's filmed at the Gelson's of Thousand Oaks. I shop there almost all the time. I'm not going to consider myself a regular. So it's kind of baffling to me that, like, what, the one-off day I did not show up to Gelson's? Uh, they filmed a fucking game show without me? <laughs> like, what the shit? But, uh... It's 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 kind of charming and in the same way weird to me. Now, Alex Garner Shelley is the host of this. If you don't know who Alex Garner Shelley is, she is this great judge on Chopped. She is this brilliant mind, and sometimes people will say that she's like the, the bad. Like you have to say that she's like the Simon Cowell. She's the mean judge. She she's the mean. She's never really happy with the stuff. But on this show, it's the flip opposite. She's always like excited about the show, and she kind of plays up the what the hell are you thinking aspect that comes with her chop judgment when she's the host. Now, as established in the rules, uh, the game is played in a series of rounds. There are four contestants, and they play it in the parking lot of a supermarket, which, which should be a big red flag. If you are shopping at the supermarket and you're seeing like a cooking studio out front, wouldn't that be a red flag that you might be filmed for a game show? <laughs> At least in my mind. Uh, So here's how it works. Each of the four players gets $500 in cash. I think it's like tens and ones. Uh, Considering it's the Gelsons, they probably went across the street to that Wells Fargo. Uh, (laughs) That's where I cash in my paychecks. Uh, So the chefs are limited to using items. They, they They don't get to go into the supermarket. They are pretty much forbidden until the final round. Shh. They basically have to be hawking people at the front door of these supermarkets. And what they have to do is they basically, in round one, uh, they get to basically purchase ingredients by basically jumping into customers outside the store and negotiating for their grocery bags without seeing what's in any of the contents. So, which is weird to me because this is uh, California. So they either brought their own bags or during today's episode, like I guess everyone gets a free paper bag that's magically duct taped so you don't see anything. Uh, so, so the idea is supposed to be you ambush somebody as they're walking to their car and you're kind of trying to persuade these people, hey, uh, this bag of groceries, I'm in a cooking contest. Can, I'll give you a hundred bucks for this bag. Now, some of them know what's in the bag. Some of them just obviously don't give a shit. And the idea is supposed to be to haggle for bags of groceries. Now, the, the, the gimmick is supposed to be because it's the unknown variable of the groceries inside the bags that you don't know what you're going to get. So the idea is supposed to be the hee-hee, yeah, you got like a, a steak or, or ha-ha, you got like tin can tuna. But then it's like, and also uh, People Magazine? <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, because these are normal supermarket people. So they're obviously going to be buying like aspirin or vitamins or supplements or uh, like soap and toothpaste and toothbrushes. Like it's a supermarket. It's not just food at supermarkets. So I guess that's supposed to be the, the hiccup. Like that's the zonk part of this negotiation phase. And they have to make something that fits a criteria, like we're looking for a late night snack. And then they have like an hour to get the groceries and make it. And if they are unable to make something in time, they lose. If they're unable to uh, impress the judges, they're out. Usually everyone's able to negotiate judges because, hey, free money. That's great. Um, So... 
after round one, if in in the blind background, uh, round two, they get to see ingredients, but only from one single shopper. So they have to legit now stake out and find their one person. This is the round I kind of like the most of all three, because in this round, they kind of now size up rando people. So they will see somebody who's like clearly a bachelor and think, okay, they have ready-made stuff or frozen meals, and we're not going to use that. And then they see like a mom with their kid, and they're like, well, they might have can- the kid might have candy, but the mom definitely will have like vegetables. So I'm going to go to the mom, uh, and they get to basically negotiate for their grocery bags in that round. Um, and, and it's like individual items. So it becomes a more of like, I'll take 20 bucks for this and 10 bucks. I'll take all of this. I'll get, I'll double your money from what you paid. And they're like, yeah, sure. In the final round, uh, it, it's real awful. Like this one is, uh, this is the, the round where, it, it's the all or nothing round, basically. So with any remaining money they have left, so it's because it, of course it's going to diminish round after round of the five hundred bucks. They now have to buy five items in the store, and this is be any five items. It's like their lifeline in the show. But anything else after those five items has to be gone from every customer. Only one per customer at this point. So now it becomes you run to each person and goes, I need your milk. I need your milk. I need your bread. I need your bread. I need your eggs. I need your eggs. And it's this head-to-head round where the best uh, dish gets $10,000. And that's fun. Like, this is kind of clever. But the problem with supermarket stakeout, as far as the concept is concerned, is one, first of all, it's in my hometown and I'm offended. Two, I saw the next episode, and that's that's where my best friend lives, and I'm also double offended. So it's like, what the hell? Does the Food Network have it out for me right now? Uh, but, but in reality, it's also the premise of the game. This feels like something that would have been a game on guys' grocery games if it was played in a legit supermarket. So this feels like rejected ideas from guys' grocery games. Also... When it comes to this outdoor set thing, I think it's a hit or miss depending on which supermarket you go to. The supermarkets that they go to are kind of premium. They go to a Gelson's. Now, if you don't, some of you aren't familiar with Southern California grocery store chains. Uh, so, so you know, you have your Safeways and Kroger's. Those are your Vons's and Ralph's over here. Then there's a Gelson's. And Gelson's is kind of this uppity... I'm not going to say like Whole Foods posh, but it, it's kind of like here's the $9 chips and here's the like $13 gourmet chocolate bars. It's one of those places. And for me, I go there just for the baked goods. I like to munch. Everyone knows I like to munch. Um, so so seeing uh, the stuff that's like in these grocery bags at the Gelson's, I kind of think, wow, they're very overpriced and they're basically buying premium stuff. And I don't know. I think the idea for these Food Network game shows, at least in my perspective, is that the idea is supposed to be that if you are viewing this show, you can come up with ideas similar to that. Like Chop, for instance, the the boxes of stuff is like 
supposed to give you examples of like, well, if you are like running out of food and you see like a protein and three weird sauces and vegetables, what can you come up with? With Cutthroat Kitchen, it's supposed to be the, the entertainment value of the stuff, but also substitutions that are supposed to be the creative side of this. With, with uh, Guy's Grocery Games, it's supposed to be. You're at a supermarket, so if they can get the stuff at the supermarket, so can you. And the stuff at that supermarket is almost similar to a Safeway or a Kroger. This is a These are premium grocery stores. Now, I understand why they're doing that, because by going with the lower-end supermarkets or the local chain stores, they get clearance, and if they get sponsored by a major chain uh, supermarket, uh, they're they're still allowed to do that. Versus, say, you know, they go to say a, a, a Kroger and they get sponsored by Safeway that week. It wouldn't work. So this is an interesting show, but you can't really get ideas to make stuff other than if randomly you had a bag of groceries and like an hour to make something and you decided to make a sandwich with a bagel. Like that's basically it. And uh, sure, makes sense. I get it. But this show falters in a few levels. It's, it's premiumness. It's this desperation of the contestants to buy groceries. And there's not that much difference between this and Guy's Grocery Games. I don't know if they're trying to like push away Guy's Grocery Games in favor of this show. Or this was like ideas to be made for like a Food Network star like round. But I, I wasn't really that impressed to be honest. And I usually like these cooking competition shows because, you know, it incites inspiration. You can understand these contestants. And for me, it's just like, well, they're just cooking in a parking lot and screaming at people to buy some milk. Like most of the time it's just screaming for milk. And it's like I, after a while that kind of gets old and there's no real need to watch the next episode. And I think that's kind of why. there's. It feels flat. It feels like I'm not really going to get anything more than I've already seen in, the, in all the rounds. It's an hour-long show, and you know when the commercial breaks air, like all the others, the first elimination's a commercial break, second elimination's a commercial break. Who's the winner? We'll find out when we come back. It's, it's just kind of play-by-numbers, and I just, I just can't get on board. So unfortunately, Supermarket Stakeout to me is not the hit it, it should be. I like Alex Garnaschelli, though, as the host in this. And I like the let's read on people and what they could buy. I think both of those are very clever and very good game mechanics in this cooking competition show because no one will ever think that. And you won't see that on, on any other game show but this. But it's still kind of faulty. Uh, so to me, I give it, uh, if I have to give the letter grade, it's a D. Like a solid D. It's not the worst game show in the world. Um, there's a lot of falters to it. But there is some glimmers of really good things in this show. And I like the idea that it's traveling. I kind of wish it was more than just Southern California, though. 
Give me like Louisiana. Give me Seattle, Washington. Give me Montana, Kansas, someplace where it would be out of the ordinary for Food Network to film. And I think that would be your hit. But for this, not so much. Uh, this is kind of like a burnt toast, if you ask me. This is the burnt toast of cooking shows, but it's not that harmful. Um, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, as always, there's episodes available on jordanhaas.com slash podcast. If you want to say hello to me, uh, I'm on Twitter at jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A. Uh, if you want any other episodes, you can re-listen to them on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. In fact, give us the rating. Give us the five stars. And and better yet, go in the comments section. Let me know what game shows you want to hear about. I, I want to know. I want to get ideas. And maybe I'll, I'll try and run around and get some guests to talk about that show. Uh, I, I love doing this show. I love talking about game shows. And what we learned today is that sometimes there's disasters and sometimes there's happy endings. Life is a series of mistakes and a series of good fortunes. And I think we all need to learn it's okay to fail every once in a while. So before we sign off, I just want to say, if there is that thing you want to do, that book you want to write, that fan fiction you're thinking about, getting into drawing or going into this class or wondering what is this thing, go for it. I suggest do it. If it's a creative outlet, go for it. Yes, most likely it would suck or you'll fail or you'll have this nervous wreckage. I've been there before. I will be there again. But go for it because even through failing, you never know where it'll end up. As we establish with this show, a bad bake still makes for a good talking point. A bad a day at the bake-off still means you had a good day because you're here having fun baking bread with friends. And for television production, even if a show ends, you never know where the new one begins. And rather, that one will be the one that lasts years. Life is full of uncertainties, so the best thing you can do is basically take that risk. As long as it doesn't damage anyone around you and it makes you feel happy, go for it. That's what we learned today. When life gives you a challenge, fail, fail upward. Fail upward, folks. Uh, this is Jordan Haas. Thanking you for tuning in. Join us next week for a brand new game show, I suppose. Until then, big smooch. Mwah! Thank you.